0: All right, we're back. Um, Yeah, episode three here. Um, I think it it feels like two episodes a week is probably a good cadence, one or two a week. Um, Because I feel like things happen in between each episode where we get a chance to, you know, just have conversations, talk about things and just bring back new insights, right? It's like the, the activity and then the rest. I agree. You know, sometimes I'll just wake up and I'll have a thought and, um,
1: sometimes those thoughts will just dissipate real quickly and I won't hold on to, but I I know that I can have some really powerful thoughts in the morning that I do want to share. So, um, pat, pat a paper by the bed is always helpful. And then we can, you know, share in the, share in these podcasts. So twice a week
0: for me, would be, sounds like pretty good. Do you also keep, uh, you also keep power versus force by your bed? I do. I've got it right underneath my bed actually. And, and, uh, it's an, an amazing book. I, I I finally scooped it up. Remember I said it was under my bed. I opened it oh, up. Oh, yeah. 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 That's great stuff. Really great yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm about, I'm
1: about three quarters of the way through
0: it. And um, it just
1: really validates, you know, a lot of what I know and have learned. And it just helps integrate more into my own system, what it is we're teaching others. Um, I find that the more that I can just stay in tune with with truth,
0: um, is very very helpful for all of us right yeah yeah i find myself skipping around a lot in that mm. moment. Uh, mm-hmm. there's no I, I there's no rhyme or reason like i'll just open it up to a certain part and whatever is kind of calling itself out to me in that moment that's like what i'll read about like i was reading about the different you know the different levels of of energy and things like that yesterday yeah. um, and it really applies to what we do
1: you know yeah yeah, it's you know we're we're more you know accessing authentic power versus force. And you know there's a lot of force that um, is occurring with athletes and and salespeople and executives. And it can take you to a certain extent. In fact, I've picked up some new clients recently, some professional clients, and they're they're they've been very, very aggressive, and they've worked really, really hard, and all of a sudden it's not working for them anymore, you know. And um so they're realizing, hey, there's something else, there's something missing and uh, they're reaching out. So that's authentic power that's typically missing.
0: Yeah. And I, I've, I've definitely become more since reading about the different levels, I find, you know, becoming more conscious of where I am on any given day. Um, because I notice the difference between power and force when yeah. I'm trying to get something done in the business, right? Like I, I have the tendency towards impatience and kind of frustration and also sort of desire, right? So the desire I put that out there and I want it. And then inevitably there's, you know, frustration because it's all, you know, external and there's things that you can't control, which can lead to, you know, anger. I know despondency isn't technically one of them, but sometimes it feels that way versus when there's like that, that deep level of detachment. And we'll, we'll go into that. Actually, that might be a good segue for us into the, into the zone motion system, but that deep, deep level of detachment, it feels it feels like true power because there's no, it's like, it's like you're pushing, pushing, pushing. And then all of a sudden you let go and the whole, everything just, all the obstacles just disappear. Exactly right. The, the fear completely dissipates and that's when
1: you're totally aligned. And that's when, that's when the swing of the motion can be fluid and effortless. The ball's coming out of the hand perfectly and late movement, higher spin rate, you know, and in and, and, and a healthy manner, and the, the body has a much better chance of, of staying healthy right which is a massive problem as we know in in baseball but yeah does we want to be desireless you're not going to forget that you want to achieve this in life but when the desire starts to strengthen you you're you're putting yourself in a position of of resistance because you don't have it in that moment and 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 the desire becomes a little stronger and you're cutting yourself off from from what it is you want to achieve
0: yeah yeah so <clears throat> I think that might be a good a good way for us to transition into what we want to talk about today. So I know we left off last time talking about what the zone is, the library of preparation, the parts of the brain, and just sort of how the zone works, almost like the mechanics of the zone. Although I think there's also just a lot of stuff that goes beyond simple mechanics and, and simple uh neuroscience. And so today, I think what we wanted to talk about was just how does the zone, how do you actually get into the zone, right? And so you've spent so long discovering that for yourself. And so I'm curious, where where did that process kind of take you and how did it get you to where you are today?
1: Sure. So when I first started teaching um, the zone 15 years ago, I really didn't know what I was doing. I just knew, you know, I was seeing some amazing results. And some professional baseball pitchers would come to me and we'd spend three days together. And literally they all did, went out and did really, really well. And then over time, what I noticed is, you know, we, I didn't think I needed to be in touch with them. And what I noticed over time is they would just, there would be a slow, steady decline. It wouldn't be off the cliff. It'd be slow and steady to the point where they didn't know that there was anything that was off. They just weren't completely lined. And, and that's what was going on. And it, you know, I started to notice that trend in these early days of teaching zone motion. And so I started to dig deeper as to, you know, what, what was really going on. And, and that's where I um, started to learn so much more about um, what we refer to as lifestyle habits now with zone motion. And also the, the the emotional mental state, along with getting information to the library preparation in the middle of the brain and getting information to the back of the brain so that the motion can be executed as it's intended to be executed. And so, um, you know, our lifestyle habits, right? A a few things that are really, really important, um, quality sleep, right? Quality sleep. And I'm going to have you talk about quality sleep. Um, Yeah, it's right up your alley. And, and, uh, you know, it's it's essential. I always tell every athlete I'm working with that, you know, a, along with having some ability in the process of the mind being right, there's nothing more important than proper rest. And uh, you hear so many people say, oh, I'm working 12 hour days, 14 hour days, 15 hour days. And I'm saying you're a fool. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're not going to be aligned doing that. And there are moments where we all have to do that. Right. We do do it. But uh, when we're when we get are getting proper rest, getting to bed a decent time, um, you know, we're just going to function much better. The brain's going to function much better. We're going to have greater awareness, right? Greater awareness, less fear, less resistance. And so quality sleep is uh, is essential. And go ahead, Kong, I'm going to have you share the things that uh, you like to share about quality sleep because I value them
0: big time. You know, as you're as you were just talking, I thought of something my dad used to say, and I know this is just representative of the old, The old way of thinking about sleep, and you've heard it a million times, is "I'll sleep when I'm dead." You know, (laughs) people say that all the time, and it's funny to me because I think about, I'm like, "Wait wait a minute! If you if you don't sleep, you will die." (laughs) You know, like you'll just you'll fall apart. I mean, completely. And I think a lot of people don't get quality sleep, even if they think they do, or even if they think they're sleeping well. When you actually experience true quality sleep, you're like it changes your whole trajectory of your day and whatever you have on your plate that day just seems to happen a little bit easier. And the opposite's true. You know, if you don't get that good sleep for me, and I know this is variable across you know, populations for me, I just noticed such a huge difference between getting even six and seven hours of sleep. And so seven hours of sleep for me is kind of the ideal. If I'm going to be performing at a high level that day. Right. And so, yeah, there's some steps that, that I like to, to take and that I would recommend everybody take. Uh, I used to you know, do health and performance coaching for for people. So the the number one thing to me actually is just getting to sleep at a good time, right? Like a lot of people try to set set alarms to get up at a certain time in the morning. I don't really like to do that because I know that my body is going to need to sleep until it's done sleeping. And so if I'm if i'm trying to wake up at a specific time every day then there's going to be a lot of variability in whether or not my body is actually rested enough to wake up at that time and feel good and be ready so i find it a lot more helpful to set a sleep alarm as in getting into bed at a certain time because if i do that consistently then you know it doesn't matter if i wake up at you know 6:45 or 7 or even 7:15 like i'll be well rested and generally, that's when I'll end up waking up because I'm going to sleep at the same time. So that's that's one important thing. Uh, the other thing is keeping it dark in the sleeping environment. So, you know, whatever you need to do to create that blackout curtains, uh, eye masks, things like that. If you think about it from a from an early human perspective, we, we didn't have a lot of this artificial light that you know, creeps in, especially if you live in a city. Or just a place with a lot of light at nighttime and so that that basically signals to your body when that's intruding on your sleeping environment it's signaling to your body hey it's still daytime you need to be awake and your brain is going to secrete the neurochemicals to keep you awake because of that and you know the the names of them we don't have to get into all that stuff that's all in in the the book that's you know we're going to be coming out with soon but yeah, your body, your body has rhythms, and those rhythms are sensitive to things like light. Another thing they're sensitive to is temperature. So if you think about it, the temperature is naturally going to be higher during the day when you're supposed to be awake because the sun's out. And so at nighttime, when the temperature starts to drop, your internal temperature starts to drop, and that is another signal to your brain to start releasing the chemicals to get you to fall asleep. But if you have a warm sleeping environment, then that's a little bit harder to do. So I also like to keep it really, really cold, probably colder than most people are comfortable with. Uh, I I like to crank it down to like 65 if I can, somewhere around there. Um, But if that's not, you know, if that's not reasonable or you don't want to, you know, run up the AC bill in the middle of the summer, especially if you live somewhere where it's hot, uh, taking a cold shower is also a really good uh, option too. So before bed, just take a cold shower, or even just run some cold water over your wrists and things like that, just to drop your poor body temperature so you can fall asleep. Uh, and then the last thing that comes to mind is, is eating, right? So it's very hard to fall asleep on an empty stomach. If you've ever tried it, you know that if you've ever done overnight fasts, you know that it can be extremely difficult to fall asleep. And so I, I like to recommend to people just to take in a small amount, not, you know, nothing significant, but a small amount of healthy carbohydrates, um, because those carbohydrates are going to trigger your body to release serotonin, which is really going to help you relax. So if you have ever noticed after you eat, uh, maybe, you know, maybe this isn't the most healthy example, but a a bunch of pasta or something that's kind of carb heavy, maybe potatoes or things like that, your body, you know, you feel just very like relaxed and just like ready to fall asleep and you might actually fall asleep from it. Uh, And so that's the, that's the reason is because your body's secreting serotonin from those carbohydrates. Now I would recommend something like whole grains or maybe sweet potatoes, uh, instead of, you know, regular potatoes or pasta, because those aren't as healthy for you. Generally speaking, a healthy carbohydrate is something that's not going to spike your blood sugar, but is instead going to be released slowly, right? So your blood, your blood sugar will have more of a a smooth arc to it from the food. Um, and another way, I'm getting into the wheats a little bit here, another way you can kind of counterbalance the, the glucose response instead of having a big spike is to have maybe a little bit of protein before you actually have those carbs. So something like a whey protein shake, uh, something along those lines. So that's that's really the three, I think I gave four recommendations there, um, but, but those are the things that are going to have the most impact. And if you notice, none of those involve anything expensive, any sort of expensive sleep gear or protocols or anything like that. Like it's really simple, uh, basic stuff. uh, And and that's going to allow you to sleep better. It's going to allow you to perform better. So that is, that is one important lifestyle habit for sure. I would argue it's probably the most important, even more important than nutrition.
1: Well, yeah. And one thing I like to add there is that I I like to stretch before bed because I I believe um, that one of the things that if we wake up in the middle of the night prematurely, I believe there's energy that's being blocked, that's causing a, just a lack of blood flow somewhere in the system. That's causing some disturbance. So for me, I'm a little bit older than you are. I like to stretch before bed, especially the lower spine, and get energy really moving in my spine. That can just really balance out my energy in my body. So that's something that's very helpful for me.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned. It. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think you're you're also just very sensitive to that to that energy block right i mean you've done so much work to to heal your brain and so you you definitely can notice those those blocks very easily so that's i think that's good especially for people who maybe are more aware more sensitive or even just unaware of it because sometimes i don't know what's best for me right like i you know when i stretch before bed or i do certain things and they work i'm not always aware of how they're affecting my body but uh, for you i think you've you've experienced, experimented with a lot of different things to kind of clear up that energy, especially in your brain. Right. Good. So you started to hit
1: on food a little bit, which can uh, shift uh, to our second lifestyle habit, which is proper nutrition. I'll let you hit on that.
0: Yeah. And just so everybody is kind of clear about the larger framework that all of all the stuff that we're talking about operates in uh, the zone motion system, which is what we're talking about is really a, a, a pyramid, right? So there's four levels to the pyramid. Right now we're talking about that bottom level, which is lifestyle habits. And so that's going to set the foundation, the physical foundation, so that your body can perform well when you start to move up the ladder and start to really tap into uh you know the middle of the brain and the back of the brain in order to have those zone experiences. So setting the physical foundation, very important. And so the second habit within that, first one we talked about was sleep. The second one that we that we tell people about is nutrition and nutrition if you really start to to dig into it, it, it feels like the most complicated thing in the world, right? It's like nobody has the, everybody tries to seem like, you know, they have the answers to, to, you know, the perfect diet or the, just the perfect foods to eat and things like that. And it, it just makes things very confusing for people. Cause you hear about keto, you hear about uh, low fat, high fat, you know, plant-based carnivore, like all this different stuff. And it's just like, what, what's actually going on. And so, you know, the, for me, the easiest thing to think about nutrition in terms of is inflammation. So inflammation is essentially just a response that your body has towards injury. So when you have a, let's say you stub your toe, or maybe a better example would be if you, you know, you get a, like a bruise, like you hit yourself pretty hard um, in in practice or something like that, right? So the, the, the area starts to swell up and it gets red, it might change colors that's inflammation. Your body is responding to that energy, that injury by swelling the area. That's part of the healing process. Now, food can also create injuries to the body. And that can be uh, a little bit problematic because we're always eating food. And so the thing with inflammation is short-term inflammation can be very good and it can help you. Long-term inflammation is very bad and will ultimately lead to disease. So if you are eating foods that are creating a lot of inflammation in your body, you are going to be susceptible to disease. And when I say disease, I don't necessarily mean it in the sense of like, you know, you're, you're gonna end up in the hospital and die. But really, it's just a, you'll be off balance, right? So buddy talks a lot about alignment. And so when there is a lack of ease, dis ease, that is, you're off center, right? You're off of your alignment. And especially, this is especially true in the brain because inflammation in the brain causes a lot of issues with performance, right? It might cause brain fog. It might cause um, you to just not be as quick, not as um, able to react and experience the zone. And so all that said, nutrition is very important because we want to use it to lower inflammation because you're already getting a ton of inflammation when you're practicing and exercising, because those things also cause uh, micro injuries. So we want to use inflammation to really counterbalance this stuff. And so the first recommendation that we make is we want to eat more plants, right? So eating a a diet that is, you know, high in you know whole plant-based foods, not all plant-based, right? Things like, you know, grass-fed meats, um, you know, high quality dairy products and things, certainly not off limits. But in general, I like to tell people to eat the rainbow. Right. So when you go into your produce section, you know, try to get a variety of different things because those colors actually um, indicate some of the benefits that you'll get from there. Um, I'm trying to think of an example uh, right off the bat, but I know that, you know, dark leafy greens, they're typically high in, you know, vitamin K and calcium and things like that. Um, So just, you know, eat, eat the rainbow in general and whole foods are the way to go. Right. So a lot of times, you know, you look at a food and you're like, I don't even know how this thing started right? Like you look at a box of Triscuits or box, box of crackers here, like, you know, could could you even guess as to how that food started out? You know, maybe, maybe you can, it's like wheat based, right? It's wheat, soy, and, uh, and corn are typically the three, the three big things that you see in all these processed foods, but they don't look anything like how they, how they started. And so that's what we would call on the other side, an ultra processed food. So in addition to eating more whole foods that, you know, like a carrot, you know, how a carrot just came out of the ground, you're going to, you're eating it just like it was found. The other side is avoid processed foods because those are the foods that are going to drive inflammation. And so things like cookies, crackers, cakes, um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't take a lot, just, you know, cereals. Like you, you can understand the difference between something that's whole and found in nature and something that is processed and is not anything like what, what you would find in nature.
1: And those cookies, those cookies, cakes, and the sugar-filled uh, um, foods, it's amazing how that throws someone out of the zone. It doesn't, it doesn't take too much of it. So you as you know, Colin, I'm really, really anti-sugar. I had someone tell me the other day that sugar's the devil. And I said, Yeah, I can I understand that. It's true. It really, really in, in a game like baseball or golf, where precision hitting a baseball and hitting a golf ball, where precision is so important, there's not much margin for error at all. And when it comes to sugar in the brain, it really throws that precision off. And again, it doesn't take much. So
0: yeah, and and I'll even add on top of that, sugar does drive inflammation, and that's that's probably one of the biggest reasons why you want to stay away from the ultra processed foods because they have added sugars, um, whereas whole foods are just going to have natural sugars that aren't in you know crazy high amounts. Of course, if you eat you know seven bananas a day, you're probably not going to feel that great because there's a lot of sugar in those. Um, but in general, right, the the ultra processed. Uh, foods. Not only do they have a ton of chemicals in them, um, but they do have typically high amounts of sugar. And I'll add to that, not only is the sugar bad, but then, you know, you're, you might say to yourself, okay, I won't eat sugar. I'll eat sugar replacements or artificial sweeteners." And that can be even worse sometimes. Like uh, I'll take aspartame as an example, right? The wood alcohol in aspartame gets metabolized in your body and turns into formaldehyde. And so if you you don't know what formaldehyde is, it's the embalming fluid, you know, that they use to preserve, uh, you know, animal tissue and things like that. And so that causes a lot of problems. It puts your body into a state of what's called metabolic acidosis, uh, which can just cause all kinds of downstream problems. Um, So, yeah, and at the end of the day, these things are harming the body. And if they're harming the body, guess what? They're harming the brain. That's going to cause you to struggle to get into the zone. So in general, we want to go for natural things that aren't too high in sugars, uh, whole foods, right?
1: And then the third component of lifestyle habits that are essential to really get in the zone and be able to stay there on a regular basis is mindfulness. And so meditation, breathing techniques, things like that off the field are essential and a big part of what zone motion teaches along with all the work we do on the field um, and the integration process with the mechanics and the proper state of mind. But uh, mindfulness um, is essential for quieting the mind down. When we start to quiet the mind down, we become very present with the moment. There's more peace, we're just much more aware. Thoughts come, ideas come, solutions come. And uh, then we're we're better able to kind of identify the thoughts and the belief systems that really, really undermine us in our life that typically we're not aware of until we are. Right. And that that can take some work. And it's a big part of what we do here with with zone motion, with the the energy system, the body and that brain body connection. So mindfulness practices on a regular basis are essential. Years ago, as I again, as I started teaching this and, you know, I'd been meditating for many, many years and got great value um, from it. um, But I wasn't putting the connection um, between on field performance and off field daily practices together until probably three or four years ago. And, uh, you know, what's really exciting is we're coming out with the app pretty soon that will provide all the support needed for these athletes to get in the zone, stay in the zone. But daily practices are essential because when stress hits, you know, we want our nervous system to be able to respond in a very conducive manner to stay in the zone and have success and reduce the slumps, right? I always, I tell my clients when they, you know, a pitcher throws the pitch a little bit off, Boom, next pitch, he's right on. I said, yeah, that's a one pitch slump. That's what it should be. Again, as we spoke about in our last podcast, slumps should not be part of the game. They don't have to be part of the game. Yeah, that's an old myth, right? That it, you can't be successful all the time. We don't buy into that. We know that's not, we know that's just a myth. And so when we're fully aligned and fully aware of our thoughts and our belief systems, we can have one pitch slumps. And so that's what we're after for, for all of you watching this podcast.
0: I like that the one the one pitch slump. That's a good, it's uh, a good, it's good catchphrase. That's good marketing. I'll have to I'll have to add that to our list of of catchphrases. So, yeah, and I love I love I love that description of it because and you mentioned something about resiliency uh, when you practice mindfulness on a regular basis. And and by the way, we're not even getting into what buddy teaches in terms of the drills and the things that he you know he actually works with we're not we haven't even stepped on the field yet this is the bottom level this is the physical foundation of things that you can do before you step on the field so that you can set yourself up for success if you look at a guy like tom brady tom brady does everything right on the field he also does everything right off the field and so we want to make sure that we have that same advantage right that provides an unfair advantage to people if they if they have these things right. And the reason mindfulness is part of this physical foundation is because you're actually training your body and your nervous system to change and adapt and be more resilient. So you're and there there are many studies that have shown that mindfulness changes the physical structure of the brain and the way that the brain processes emotions and relates to other people in the outside world and experiences. And when you can do that, And in in addition, right, there's other parts of your nervous system that that are affected by by mindfulness training as well. When you can do that, you have an unfair, completely unfair advantage when you step on the field because you are you're just going to be so much more resilient. You're going to be able to frame things better for yourself and you will eventually you're going to get to the point where you have one bad pitch and you're like, okay, there's there's my slump. It's like the next thing. And it's like the past doesn't even exist anymore. Right. You're no longer. Uh, burdened by that, right? You're only in the present moment. And only so in the present is- moment. The, the previous moment should have no effect on
1: us in our life. Yeah. You know, I, 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 around major league baseball, I, I see some teams and what they're doing, other teams, and what they're not doing. And I, and some of these teams, some of these teams that are not taking steps in this direction that we're talking about um, with zone motion, mindfulness, it's amazing. They have no idea how far behind they're following, uh, falling. You know, they just know we're not we're not doing this. Well, you know, they don't understand how far behind they're falling and how quickly it's happening. You know, when you get someone who's really starting to get connected, really starting to get aligned, really starting to become resilient. I mean, they're really ascending fast. These teams that aren't doing that. Oh, my gosh. I had a client the other day I met with uh, a major league pitcher who was in town uh, playing the Royals. And he was telling me the food that they're serving in their clubhouse. I'm not going to name the team. And I said, oh, my gosh, if, if I'm betting, you know, on postseason, I, there's not a chance I'd bet. If you guys have no chance to, you know, they don't understand the effect. You know, you just don't know what you, you don't know. You can't see what you can't see. You can't remember what you forgot. And what they're feeding these guys with a, you know, I think their payroll is probably 180, 180 million a year, whatever it may be. And they're feeding this. Are you kidding me? I, it's
0: beyond <laughs> beyond belief for me, but
1: oh, well. Right. Until until they know they don't know.
0: Yeah. And there's a, you know, another uh, one of my, you know, mentors from from when I really started to, to get into yoga. And, you know, I'm a yoga teacher. And and so another you know guy had been teaching for a long time. He told me once uh, once you see the truth, it's hard to go back to the lie. And it's so true. And it's not just when you see the truth. It's when you really accept and understand the truth. It's it, I mean, I'd say it's almost impossible to go back to the lie
1: no question, no question there,
0: yep, yeah, I yeah. got you so uh I, I think one thing you know on that note of mindfulness at the end, uh I was thinking maybe maybe it'd be a good idea to just give people like a small taste of of a mindfulness uh practice here at the end just to to kind of close things out. What do you think about that, buddy
1: Sure, yeah, we can do that. um I'm just tell you what I want to do um. So I I've, I've been doing transcendental meditation for many years and I learned from a certified instructor
0: so we can't do that but um a little box breathing we can do right we can do a yeah. box breathing we do that I should yeah I should mention so within mindfulness we talk about you know taking mindful moments which would be mindfulness meditation mindful movements which would be things like yoga and and tai chi qigong whatever and then there's mindful breathing. So mindful breathing is, a, is an important component. And again, this is stuff that we we really go in depth in um, with, the, with the courses that we teach and what Buddy teaches and the book that's coming out. So this is, we're gonna really get into this in depth, but absolutely, absolutely, I'd love to do some breathing. Good, so we'll do some box breathing and let me just
1: describe it first of all. And what we'll do, we'll inhale through our nose to a count of five. We'll hold the breath for a count of five. We'll exhale the breath through our nose to a count of five, and then we'll hold the breath out for a count of five. So like a like a box. Inhale five, hold five, exhale five, hold the breath out for five, and begin again. And we'll just do. Uh, what do you think, Colin? Should we do about six rounds? Good. And I will. Uh, I'll walk people through it. Okay. So let's begin. You can close your eyes. And inhale through your nose to a count of five two, three, four, five, hold, five, four, three, two, one, exhale, one, two, three, four, five, hold the breath out, five, four, three, two, one, inhale through the nose, five, two, three, four, five, hold, five four, three, two, one. Exhale, one, two, three, four, five. Hold the breath out. Five, four, three, two, one. Inhale, one, two, three, four, five. Hold, one, two, three, four, five. Exhale, one. Two, three, four, five, hold out one, two, three, four, five, inhale, one, two, three, four. Five, hold one, two, three, four, five, exhale one, two, three, four, five, hold out one, two, three. 4 5 inhale One, two, three, four, five. hold One, two, three, four, five. exhale One, two, three, four, five. hold out one, two, three, four, five, one one more round One, two, three, four, five. hold 1 two, three, four, five, exhale one, two, three, four, and five. And now just notice what you notice. Just being aware of anything that you notice. And just breathe normally. And in this moment, see if you can just release all thoughts just being with what you notice. And good. And now just, you can open your eyes if you've had them closed. Just come back here. And you may notice that your mind is more settled. Your breath may have deepened. You may be more aware of your surroundings. More aware of any imbalances in your body, any disturbances, any stress. And so just becoming mindful of what is going on with yourself, what's going on in your body is very powerful and it doesn't undermine you as much. I like to use the analogy. If you had a two-year-old child who came running to you because they were really scared about something or something was very unsettling to them. And you just said, leave me alone. Don't bother me. You neglected them. They would not be very happy. They would really, really undermine your life. Or if you said, Oh, there's nothing to be concerned with. You're fine. Just go, you know, keep playing. Go take, you know, just take a deep breath. They wouldn't like that either. But if you just picked them up and held them, spent time with them and said nothing, in about a minute, they would be completely fine. They'd want to be let back down on the ground. They'd go play and they'd forget whatever happened. And the reason is, is because you were completely paying attention to what was going on inside of them. You weren't trying to change it. So much the same way, when we're mindful, we're just being, right? There are different techniques that we'll be teaching. But we're just being, and we, when we can just accept what we're experiencing, it doesn't undermine us. We become more aware, and we'll make better decisions, become more resilient. So that's just a little little breathing technique that you can use.
0: Yeah, and it's it's amazing, because just doing it for six rounds, I mean, it took us all of two minutes and it completely changes the physiology
1: um, And so, I, next time you're going to do it and i get to you're <laughs> going to
0: you're going to read it or just say it teach it and i get to do it <laughs> yeah 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 next time we'll we'll do that for sure um yeah awesome stuff well hopefully everybody watching was able to to get something out of that as well um i, I feel like we I mean, we said we wanted to talk about the zone motion system. There's just so much to talk about. So we'll have to, we'll have to go into maybe the other levels um, in, in future podcasts, because I feel like this was just really going, going kind of deep on the lifestyle habits, um, which is again, setting the physical foundation for zone experiences. And you'll find that over time, when you practice, you know, things like getting good sleep, getting proper nutrition, and then mindfulness Uh, whether it's mindful movement meditation or breathing you will start to change your physiology will change you will not be the same person that, that started physically and that is that's a game changer you know every everything changes when that happens
1: yeah and that that alone will allow you to perform better but uh we want you to perform it's amazing how well you can perform it's uh I get blown away by when you really start to apply the lifestyle habits and all the, as we'll go deeper, the static state training, the dynamic drills, the integration as to what can happen to an athlete. So, yeah, I'm
0: I'm excited. This was my favorite podcast so far.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're you're so good at it. You know, you're so good at the lifestyle habits as well. So,
0: yeah, that was, uh, that's my, my bread and butter, man. There's a lot of science involved, a lot of research involved, and that's, that's what I love. So, um, yeah, so every, for everybody watching, uh, whether you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever, um, I feel like we only post the full interviews on, we do it on Spotify. So we have our podcast. Definitely check that out on Spotify if you just want to listen. Um, we have them on YouTube and then we have them on on Facebook as well. So wherever you are, if you have a chance, like drop a comment, let us know what you what you think about this. Obviously, you know, reach out to to one of us too, um, if you if you guys have anything to say about this, if you like this practice, um, or just other things that you that maybe you were curious about that we didn't cover. So, and we'll we'll talk about static state training, which is the next level of the of the zone motion system pyramid, uh, in our next podcast. And that's the zone motion podcast. If they're doing a search, right? Colin? That's right. The Zone Motion podcast on Spotify. I don't think we have it up on Apple Music yet, but we're working on it. Good. Cool. Okay. All right, All right guys, take care. This is Colin and buddy signing out.